Hello, I'm attorney Stephen R. Golden of Stephen R. Golden and Associates. Our firm is a full-service law firm dedicated to the middle class and businesses. We excel in areas of business and real estate, law, and litigation. Our firm can also reduce your debt through negotiation or bankruptcy. Our attorneys have experience in wills, trusts, and probate, helping you to maintain your family's wealth and pass it on to your loved ones without taxes. For a free consultation, give us a call at 626-228-2710. That's 626-228-2710. Time to dive into another hour of Living by the Word, and it is sponsored by the Friends of Living by the Word Ministries on 99.5 KKLA. Living by the Word does not necessarily reflect the views of KKLA staff, management, or sponsors. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. I'm one of the teammates of Brian Allen and Professor Craig Hawkins. We have there already received your phone call as a screener tonight. Call one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight. 2557, which are open on us questions uh, about anything. Bible, like uh, Brian says, and like I suggest, about anything with life, because we believe that the Bible has answers for most of life issues, especially dealing with truth, godliness, and things like that. And even if you're dealing with non-Christian cults, uh, uh, cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, uh, Muslims, uh, Buddhists, whatever the case might, you know, whatever the case might be, uh, give us a call. Really appreciate that if you do that. At one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Also on our website, you can go and send us a question by way of email or Facebook page. Just navigate through our, fa- our website at bibleinfobrokers.com, bibleinfobrokers.com. Listen, we had Steve on the other side of the call. So what I what I want to do, Craig, first is before we bring Steve back up and hang on, then Steve, we're going to bring you back up and deal with the second question and, and the rest of the issue about the um, the idea of uh, churches having an opportunity for people to participate in some kind of grievance process uh, for whatever it may be. But Craig, I'm going to ask that because you were overseas, and I'm sure the uh, being the state that uh, the, the place that you were in is uh, not a Christian state, and we make the claim that we're from a Judeo-Christian basis in the United States here, help the people understand that Christianity in reality is Jewish, or it comes from a Jewish construct, but at the same time, it's not strictly Jewish. Well, no, you really the, the concept again. Salvation is, means deliverance, and it sounds like you know religiosity, religious type terminology. But to cut to the chase is, if you're stranded in a flash flood and or, or being dangerous, swept down a, a riverbed or in a flash flood, you need to be delivered from that. You're going to drown, uh, or a tornado, hurricane, uh, you know, earthquake, uh, fire. Think of the fire. People have lost their lives in California the last week or so because of these incredible fires. You know, if your house is surrounded by flames, um, you need to be delivered from that. And so all cultures, all societies have this concept, this idea. And, and, and so, it's, yeah, it's certainly Jewish, but it's really, it's, we would call this a form of natural law, or at least an idea that's common to all people, that we are all in need of help. And 
we're in need of help in this case in the ultimate sense. You may not need help paying your bills or uh, with a job or what have you. Some of you do. But, but, but we all need help as far as salvation in the sense of being delivered from eternal separation from God because we've all failed God. Uh, none of us are perfect. We've not lived up to his holy, righteous, infinite standards. Now, you may believe some form of Buddhism where Theravada, Mahayana, you could be a Zen Buddhist, Tibetan, uh, you know, pure land. Uh, take your choice. Um, or, or some form of Hinduism or, or Mormonism, Islam, uh, you know, whether Wahhabist or Shia, Sunni. Um, take your pick. We're not trying to be uh, belligerent or um, derogatory, but the reality is all your views teach that you basically are involved in saving yourself, that you do the, the bulk of it that God may in some sense, if you even believe in God, uh, many Buddhists do not, um, the, but if you do, you, God may help you, uh, may give you a leg up, if you will, but you still have to pay. Uh, I joke often when I teach on reincarnation with the phrase, I owe, I owe, it's off to the wheel of reincarnation I go. And there's no place for mercy. There's no place in, in the sense of God cutting you a deal, God uh, paying the penalty for your transgressions. But Christianity teaches that you're saved by the grace, by the mercy of God. A little book called Titus, just like the name, T-I-T-U-S, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, says that clearly that we are saved by the kindness, by the love, by the grace, by the mercy. Mercy means manifest kindness in Greek, the manifest, ostensible kindness of God. And so whatever your lot in life, you may be at the top of the front of the line or the back or somewhere in the middle, like most of us. You may be at the top of the hill or the bottom. Uh, things may be going your way, but there's still an emptiness and a brokenness in your life that you can't fix, and you know it. And exactly. There's something missing. And what is that something missing? It's a personal relationship mm. with God. You were made, you were designed to have fellowship with God. You were made for fellowship with fellow humans and to be in harmony with them. The, indeed, the word peace, if you want to talk Hebrew, you know, the Hebraic concept, shalom, or arene, the Greek word for peace. Uh, like a rennic, a peaceful you know, uh, setting, um, these beautiful words have the idea ultimately of harmony. Peace is from harmony. And it is ultimately in harmony with God and with one another. But that doesn't come through just meditating or doing the active or passive meditation, so-called. This has to do with trusting in God as your personal Lord and Savior and realizing that you cannot pay the penalty. You cannot pony up. You can add any up to get into the game. To, to please God, you would have to be perfect. You're not. You, if you lived a billion incarnations, you will not be perfect. No matter what universe you postulate you living in, you will mess up, like me, like just like I would. But the good news is, God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He has paid the penalty for our sins, and it's not just that He's forgiven us and says, "Okay, you can go do your thing, but don't bug me." He, he calls us into relationship. He calls us His sons and daughters. God, the God of the universe, of the universe, 14.7 billion you know, light years across, uh, wants to have fellowship with you. He knows who you are. But he also knows, by the way, if you don't know him, that is your personal Lord and Savior, you're in trouble. There is, there, is a, there is a sentence that's already been pronounced upon you. You are one heartbeat away from a Christless eternity. The good news is you're still alive right now. And you have the opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to believe on Him and to receive Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Indeed, one of the words you use for Him, parakletos, in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, means He's your advocate. It was a legal term used of a legal counselor. Indeed, attorneys are also called in the court 
often by judges, they're called counselor. They don't, they're not saying they're psychiatrists or psychologists. They are legal counselors, people who are supposed to be experts in the law and give good counsel in light of the law to your, your, your predicament. And so it is. Christ is our parakletos. He is our counselor. If you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, he pleads your cause. He pleads your case. Indeed, he offered himself in your place. Your punishment has been paid in full. And if you will trust in him and appropriate the free gift of God, it cost him dearly, but it's free to you. If you will trust in Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he grants to you, not pie in the sky, not someday, not maybe, not might, not woulda, coulda, shoulda, he imparts to you right now eternal life. Trust in Christ. Receive what he's done for you. Acknowledge your sin that you've messed up. Turn from it by the grace of God. Ask him for forgiveness. And, you know, we want to encourage you to get into a Bible-teaching, believing church, reading the New Testament. Those don't, things don't save you, but they'll sure help you grow in your deliverance from what ails you, the terminal disease of S-I-N, sin, and receive his gift, and you will grow. Your, I'm not saying life will be easy. We're not saying that. We're not saying life is going to be now easy street, but we're saying your life will be rich and full. It will be, as Christ said, life. He had come to give us life, and that more abundantly. Yes. Someday you will die, and then you will enter into the ultimate trouble. Trust in Christ now. Believe on him as your Lord and Savior. And know that you've passed from death to life, and he gives you eternal life. Life in that more abundantly right here, right now. PCH, I really appreciate that, folks. You are not saved by your works because we were saved unto good works. And all your righteousness uh, pre-Christ is ours filthy rags, as is mine, Craig's, and Brian before the salvation of Christ. And so that filthy rags is, um, to be perfectly honest, is like a menstrual rag that a lady used during the times of her, her cycle. So, folks, that's pretty graphic to let you know that stop trying to work and earn it. You can't. Professor laid out real clearly what it's all about. So, folks, we're going to get back to these questions that you may have. Please call us at one triple eight, LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Brian is here, PCH is here, EZD is here. Daryl's ready to receive your phone call. Let's get back to Steve from uh, Canoga Park. Steve, thanks for holding on, brother. Oh, absolutely. And I was I was kind of thinking you did kind of cover my question, but I did want to go into this because, like I said, my concern was was if you just do a Google search on Carl Lewis, you see. There were just some troublesome videos and troublesome things. I mean, the first thing that you saw, I saw was he was on Oprah's Belief Show. That should have sent red flags right there. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> should, you know. Uh, so, and uh, and then and he's doing shots because his, one of his big claims to fame is he's, he's uh, Justin Bieber's minister and like that's supposed to mean something or what have you. And then what gets me is, I, like I said, it just bothered me that uh, my church so good in so many other areas that this would that something like they would allow somebody like this to speak at our you know it's a revival, it's a revival. Well, well, let me let me say let me say this and I'm not trying to defend your church at all but I did not belong to a church that we had a a, 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 a ministry I went to where we were dealing with other churches and I won't say the name of the church but I asked the pastor just happened to ask the pastor of a huge church uh you know in in in, in southern California the question about a gentleman that was going to, I saw on their program that was going to be on doing worship. 
for for their their revival series, as it were, not necessarily a revival series, but a series that they were having at their church. And I said, this particular minister, and I will say that person's name because he's from New Orleans, my hometown, was uh, Paul Morton. And I asked the pastor, I said, Pastor, are you aware? And I asked the Lord, I don't always look for a fight, but when it, when things come my way, and it seemed like it may be somewhat divisive by asking a question of an honest question, I asked the pastor, were you aware that this gentleman was involved with a a uh, whole Baptocostal type movement whereby he had made claims and he hadn't known that he changed his claim that one ounce of his experience is worth more than a ton of theology. And I said, and who was the one that books for your, you know, your ministry? And he said, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know. He said, I know how he got on the ministry because his daughter belongs to the worship team at his church. And so he wasn't even aware of anything but to do with uh, uh, Bishop Morton and then I just asked him the question. I said, well, you know, you and everyone else who would book him with that type of theology going out there is still responsible for what you allow to come across your pulpit. And it wasn't negative. It was just he said, you know, I understand you. But he said he was just answering my question on how he got on. And I'm not saying it's just that simple with your church, but you definitely need to question it because you have a question. Gotcha. Okay, and, I, and my other last thing I just wanted to ask, when does bad is when does bad theology cross over into a deno- a dynamic or a um, demonic influence like uh, whether it's you know maybe some people call it like an, uh, it's illuminati or what have you when does that when does that cross over well, if you ask Craig, he'll tell you about the pig he experienced over there in uh, Myanmar. But, you know, but more seriously, because uh, they got they had the demons in my know from the Bible. But, Craig, um, you know, you wrote a couple of books on, on the demonic. Why don't you go ahead and deal with Steve's question, and we'll go well, to other questions. Sake, yeah, you. it takes a lot of time. But um, actually, Robert Bowman, he was just on last yeah. two weeks, has written some very good material. And there's various categories. Let me just say a couple of things quickly. Um, the main word in the New Testament for false teaching is uh, uh, heresies. Heresies and the, and the corresponding cognate hereticos means heresy or false teaching and heretic. For example, found in uh, Titus three nine through eleven, but also in Second Peter two one and two. In Second Peter two one and two, the word heresy or heretic there means uh, a non-believer, um, whereas in Titus it's actually someone's a Christian but is messing with co- what we would call cardinal and or essential doctrines or at least cardinal doctrines. They're a believer, but we are to actually shun them, and I have things to do with them because of uh, the serious nature of their false teaching. And, and the word at its root meant a stubborn or self-willed opinion. In other words, somebody persists in holding something that they ought to know better is not true, but because of their pride and stubbornness, we would say pig-headedness, there's the big word, um, they will not let it go, and then we are to treat them as a non-Christian. Now, there's ranges from full-on non-Christian to, to again, what we would say is sub-orthodox, or what we call heterodox. Orthodox literally means right or correct belief. Heterodox would be a false or incorrect or uh, 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 less than perfect uh, belief. Same with heteropraxy and orthopraxy would be right or correct practice mm-hmm. and right or, or false uh, practice. Um, but in his book, Robert Bowman did a small book called Heresy, and in this book, he goes through these terms, what we use, the terms aberrant and all kinds of terms, and does a great job of defining these terms and applying them from a biblical perspective. So for time's sake, and to do it justice, I want to recommend Rob's book on heresy. And he just does a wonderful job of explaining these terms and where the dividing line is. Now, I have 
an, a, a brief outline, only about 10 pages, on essential Christianity. And I do talk about doctrine and levels of doctrine and about where one does cross over, and I define the term heresy. So you could look online at my outline, Essential Christianity. Particularly the last section has uh, some thoughts and ideas on this. But if you want a fuller treatment, uh, a more complete treatment, I recommend the fairly small book, barely 100 pages, by Robert Bowman uh, on, on heresy. And Brian, why don't you tell Steve how he can get Robert's um, book by going to our website and navigating over to what is uh, Bowman's website again? You say it so well. <laughs> irr.org. What? irr.org. What is it, National How do you pronounce Day? that, man? How do you pronounce Arr. that? Oh, okay. <laughs> and you go right to our website. Just go to uh, BibleInfoBrokers.com. Go to resources. Yeah, Rob's website's on there. Craig's website's on there. Yes. Dr. Martin's website's on there. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of good information on there. Steve, we thank you very much, brother. I hope that's helpful to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Keep us posted on what happened, okay? Take care, Steve. Will do. All right. You know, Craig, you had mentioned something before we go to other calls, so hang in there, Dan uh, and Dan and Jerry. Uh, but one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven is the number you can call in, folks, if you're listening, to join in the broadcast. But Rob mentioned last week, and you mentioned, uh, Craig, this week about talking to the people that's affected by the word faith, uh, gospel of prosperity, gospel of uh, positive confession, and all that type of stuff. And I share with the people that, that – um, that uh, the YouTube video of uh, Dr. Walter Martin called Errors of Confession. I just want to mention it again that folks who want to listen to something and have never heard Walter Martin before, take the opportunity just to type in you on the YouTube, type in uh, Errors of uh, Positive Confession, and you'll be able to listen to it. Great, 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 great talk. You just you type uh, – and on the side, they'll have a list of other videos he did. Yes. I mean, you should definitely listen to some of his uh, teachings. It's Phenomenal. Enjoy. It's really enjoyable. Hey, PCA, and Brian, let's go back to the phone calls and talk to, uh, let's talk to Dan, who um, we had some trouble with the call, but he's back on with us. Dan from Culver City. Thank you for holding on, Dan. Oh, hi. Can you guys hear me? Absolutely, clearly, Dan. Thank you for holding on and calling back. Okay, my question uh, is um, the dilemma we have in the United States where, you know, in Christianity, it's pretty clear we're losing the battle, it seems like. Uh the country's going more and more liberal, and uh, you see it with, you know, been a bit problems in universities, schools, the family, uh, the attacks on marriage, uh, the government. But anyway, my question is, when a person gets saved, if he gets saved, I mean, John MacArthur mentions the counterfeit spirit, and then there is, the Bible talks about the seal. So my question, uh, Professor, is, um, is somebody that's saved, and then I guess in your last call or two about the theology, when does it change? Um, the devil, of course, attacks you after you're saved. Every Christian, no one's different, gets attacked after they're saved and they're tested by God. Um, does this seal get broken? But it says in the Bible that the seal does not get broken, but, you know, of course, we're all human beings and we can reject God and disobey him. So is the seal being broken? Is this person intentionally breaking the seal knowing that they are, or is it a counterfeit spirit? It's kind of complex to find out why more and more people don't seem to stay with God. They they don't they don't make it to the probation. Is that basically what's going on? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm only chuckling uh, um, uh, there, Dan, a little bit, only because and before Professor takes it, I'm, 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 because we, you know, not have as much time as we like to have. I'm only chuckling because Craig had just mentioned something about this uh, church called Hillsong, and he said something succinctly that I heard, and tell me if you remember hearing this, that he said, he's not saying that they're not saved. Craig, that's what Professor just said. He's not saying they're not saved. However, their doctrine, however, their objective proof, that I call it the OPP, the objective proof principle on what they're saying uh, can be uh, judged, can be determined. But to know their heart about their salvation it can be questioned based upon the theology, but it cannot be questioned as though you your speculation about them is falling away or have all, uh, lost a probationary period. Well, well the, does that the, mean that they're operating under a counterfeit spirit? Then, if the pastors like that's that's evident in a lot of churches, you know that they tell you what you want to hear. You know what I mean? Well, that, well <laughs> it, it, it could yeah. be because sure. you know I, I think of the passages. There will be a time where they will not. Endure sound sure. doctrines, heaping for themselves teachers out of tickets. Right within, ears. right within the congregation. Exactly. So you know you have that, and so um, you know when you look at Christians, uh, there are there are you know solid Christians that uh, would teach that a Christian can lose their salvation, and they're Christians. Right. And right. there's other. I mean, and these are they the, have to they have to be because that's why this country's where it is. Why we have so few strong, great Christian leaders. And so many people at churches are, you know, won over by the world. Like I heard a pastor say, beware churches that endorse celebrities and are light on doctrine. Well, well many well, do. Well, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you, you, I'm talking about well-respected theologians that— uh, there, there's there they've t- they've taught there. There's some that teach that you cannot lose a salvation, and there's some that teach that you can lose uh, according to their theology. And so uh, here's one thing that I think we ought to do first, and well, I think that's we ought. Question right there, you said it right there. No, can you he, or can't? My, he's do, my, Dan, hold on, Dan, Dan, hold on, Dan, 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 hold on for a second. Dan, hold okay. on one second. Okay. We're going to have okay. Professor uh, deal with it, but we got, the, we got okay. the, the spirit of what you're asking the question. But I would always ask all of us to do this. Examine ourselves to see if we're in right. the faith, number one. And then when we're examining ourselves to see if we're in the faith, my concern is why are you concerned, overly concerned with a person if they're in the faith or not, as opposed to dealing with what they're actually doing objectively. And then when, you, when they're doing something objectively that is contrary in a radical way, teaching or heretical acting, we're instructed to approach that brother in the spirit of right, Galatians exactly. 6 months. And that's, totally as long agree. as we're doing that, then I'm good. Professor, what say you? Well, a couple things. Dan's got some great questions here. Excellent questions. But actually, this really ties into the previous caller. Uh, well, right, the issue right. Of I heard that too. And Rob's book and, and parsing these words and defining them precisely. By the way, you mentioned MacArthur. MacArthur has an older book on discernment, which is a very good book, and talks about the lack of discernment in the church, and I think it's a prophetic utterance, if you will, on these matters of lack of discernment. And Brian mentioned the passage in the pastoral epistles. The problem is many people do not love the truth. They don't want the truth. Many Christians, no. they don't want the truth. Right. We want people to tell us what we want to hear. We have exactly. people call us many times, and they tell us, <laughs> basically, I want you to say what I want to hear. And it's like, well, that's not what we're here for, so don't do that. We're going to tell you what we really believe is true. And this also applies to Christians. So this clearly applies to non-Christians who are deceived. Why? Because they had no pleasure in righteousness but in unrighteousness, right? So they believe the lie. They'll accept the Antichrist. Anti can mean against, but it also means in place of, a substitute, a counterfeit. You're talking about that, Galatians 1, 7, and 9. Okay, let me ask you that. something real quick while, while you're on that subject. That means the person that's accepting that and the pastor that's teaching it, you're coming into a church that's counterfeit if that's what's going on, right? Well, or at least, well, it can be that full-blown. Or, at minimally, it is, 
it is a, a pastor or Christian who are deceived on a given point. And that's where the classical gifts of discernment of spirits was this idea. There's three sources of doctrine. There are three sources of, of, of any alleged claim. Number one is simply human. It's just human. It could be right or it could be wrong. We are made in God's image. We get some things right and we get a lot of things wrong. But one source of doctrine or teaching is just it's human, right or wrong. The next source is demonic, and that's going to be wrong. It's going to be false. And the third source is from God. So we lack discernment. We lack the word to discern, crino, anacrino, diacrino. They actually are all forms of the word, same word to judge. Crino, K-R-I-N-O, is the basic word to judge, to weigh, to examine, to measure, to test something. It's one of the major words, that is. And so Christians lack this. They don't want to think. They don't want to really say, is this from God or is this nonsense? It may See, the problem is, we live in a day and age where people are more concerned about style than substance. Political right. correctness. Somebody, political correctness. Well, you know, you know, the well. kingdom of heaven too is very expensive. It's not cheap. Well, you know, God's sure. giving you God's giving you eternal life, and there's very huge prices to pay. Well, there's no doubt about exactly. it. Exactly. But uh, and then on the sanctification issue, but it boils down to: Are you willing to grow in your most holy faith, sanctification? And that means, and y'all, anybody who's growing up as an adult knows this and I say that even as people who are adults who need to grow up, which is all of us, is are you willing to receive the truth? Or do you just, in a yeah. marriage or otherwise, your personality, your faults and foibles, or do you just want to hear what you want to hear and you're not going to deal with it? And so many Christians, uh, I use the example of Roma Downey, you know, touched by an angel fame, uh, and Della Reese, who's a religious science minister, with religious science is totally a non-Christian. It's a joke. Don't, yeah. don't, don't I know that? <laughs> don't I but know that? Downey has been promoted by major Christian. Like Joel, leaders. Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen. Everybody loves him, but he'll never mm-hmm. mention okay. abortion. But, but Dan, 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 Dan. In your excitement, Dan. Issues ever. Dan, in your excitement, so, let Professor finish it. That's how radio so works. So the problem is, I'm not saying she's not a humanly nice person, but she teaches doctrines that are patently false or non-Christian. And yet you have major Christian pastors promoting her in her books and her movies because they talk about Jesus. Well, we're warned in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, verses 13 and 15 about these counterfeits. And so the church needs to wake up and be mature. We need to be critical. And by critical, I don't mean mean-spirited. I don't mean mean and nasty and temperament. Right. But discerning, to be thoughtful, to be reflective we're called to judge. We're called to weigh. We're called to discern. And if people say, judge not, at least you be judged. No, and Matthew 7 deals with judging superficially or according to mere appearance. But indeed, we are commanded, for example, in John seven twenty four to make a righteous judgment. We are called right. to judge. Just people, they don't know their Bibles. They're not maturing. They go by sound bites. If something sounds good, if someone's a good speaker, dresses well, wears skinny jeans, or whatever, and dresses cool and has the right haircut, they assume, wow, they are really of God. And like, yeah, he's a movie star, right? nothing to do with the truth. You know, if a guy speaks in a halted manner, is not very attractive, is not very winsome, not a winner by worldly standards, oh, I don't want to hear that guy. I want the guy who's smooth and who delivers well and that has funny jokes and punchlines and great anecdotes. As if that, and, and I don't mean to say that just because you're a good speaker means you're not a true speaker, but often the church substitutes that mm. for the other. And celebrity, Parker, or light on doctrine, and God. endorses celebrities. Yeah. Yes. addresses this in his book on discernment. I'll finish up with that, so thanks. Hey, thank you yeah, very thank much. Thank you. Man. I really appreciate that. Appreciate that, your uh, call. Uh, God bless you guys. You too, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Hey, you know, uh, look, 
I love the excitement of people when they call. And it's just from the standpoint of radio, we just want to be able to get all the, uh, the clarity of the answers and the question as well. one talks is a number, one 888 We have some open eyes. Daryl said give him a call. He's ready to put you on the air. Let's go right now to the city of El Monte and talk to Jerry, actually a South El Monte. Jerry, how you doing, sir? Hello, brother. How you doing, bro? What's up, Jerry? Hey, how was the trip, Craig? You're back and you're... Well, no, wait, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't ask Craig how the trip was, man. You didn't hear that uh, soliloquy earlier about his luggage? <laughs> uh, I talked about about 45 minutes, but thanks for asking, Jerry. I'm just glad to be back home. <laughs> Jerry, what's your question? Hey, well, well, Craig, did I you... have more water than Stop. what you need, no? Craig, did your luggage get lost? Stop it. But Jerry, what's your question? <laughs> what is the ultimate fruit of spirit? The ultimate fruit of of the spirit? Yes. You mean from his trip? <laughs> no, seriously. No, he's, Brian's asking that seriously. You mean the trip yeah. or just in general? From well, the Holy actually, spirit. some would say it's singular, so it's all the fruit yes. of the spirit. It goes, yes. It's not just one, it's exactly. all of them. Exactly. But, but if, if I was going to use a multiplicity sense, I would say joy, peace, and righteousness, or what is Paul tells us, um, you know, the faith, greatest, hope, and love. The greatest yeah, of these. These is love, true, genuine love. Not this maudlin, not this emotional, not this sentimental, gushy, lack of discerning love, but a radical love that's committed on truth. Truth, speaking yes. of truth in love, uh, is that not in one sense the ultimate fruit? Love, loving people enough to tell them the truth. Uh, loving life enough, loving God, that I'm going to hear the truth about myself and attempt to grow. So I would argue ultimately it's love, but i got to define that because people think love, love, I love everybody, I can sleep with my boyfriend, girlfriend, that we love each other. With that, Jerry, I know you know better, but others don't, and uh, I need to qualify that. But yeah, joy, peace, and righteousness. And again, notice the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's not really fruit yes. in the original language. It's fruit. And that would ho- include that whole list in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. Hmm. Uh, that whole list, it's, it's really all of them, but yes, I'm going to single on one, I'm going to say it's love. Amen. So, uh, I have this problem uh, with one of the brethren, and I was in the hallway speaking to another person, and all of a sudden called out uh, J.C.'s name out of anger. I said, so what did Jesus talk to you about? And that person got so upset and angry at me. Was well, that out of love, correcting him? Well, I don't know your motives, but you did the right thing. How can you, That's taking God's name in vain. I mean, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Well, I didn't say it directly to the face. I was just saying, so what did Jesus call you about? That's what yeah, I Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you know so when, when Christians even use OMG and things, you really, you need to be, they need to be careful. But when you say, uh, there's a number of slangs that are really still taking God's name in vain. And uh, one wants to think about that. So... If we confront somebody in truth and do it in love, I mean, see, the world says you're unloving. The world says today, let me do whatever I want. Just support me. Be nice to me no matter what I'm doing. Uh, you know, heroin, whatever, just leave me alone. Let me do it. If it makes me happy, if I brings fulfillment no matter who I sleep with, sexual immorality, just let me do what I want to do. And you're not, and you're not loving and you don't disagree. I was on the, uh, this one flight coming home, and this gal was really loud I mean, there's a roar of the airplanes, a big plane, and I can still hear her like she's right next to me. And she was talking about her views on sexuality and whatnot, completely immoral by Christian standards. And I thought, this gal has no shame, and she thinks she knows more than she does. Uh, and I'm sure if I had interrupted her and got into this conversation, which I did not get into this conversation, she would have said how unloving I was and how I wasn't very nice because 
if you're loving by the world standards, you let people do whatever they want to do. And that's not love. Yeah, right. It is almost like, Greg, I understand that situation. Hey, Jerry, thanks for the phone call, brother. Appreciate you. You know, those type of situations, man, um, it's like you got to pick and choose the battles. And I, I used to have a little apprehension of as far as guilt. I mean, I will speak to anybody about anything at any time because of my personality, what God, I believe God has developed. Because before, I didn't care what you do. I used to have, when I first came to Christ, I remember coming out of the science of mine. I said, hey, you know, do what you want to do. Uh, and when well, you do it, if you don't believe what I'm saying, go to hell. You, you know, Daryl, uh, I think of Walter Martin, some of my, my main mentor, some called him Falter Martin. <laughs> and they would say, you know, he's mean. Because mean he names, guy. He names names. Yeah. You know, even on the station it's gotten us in trouble because we name names. People say, you can't name names. That's funny. Paul does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions people, uh, and, and even the Apostle of Love, his nickname, one of them was the Apostle of Love, John, mentioned Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence, who's banning John from the church, one of the key apostles, one of the inner three, and he's not letting this guy even into the church. Um, and so people think you're mean. It's like, no, I'll tell you what mean is. Mean is not speaking the truth to people. Could you imagine if there was a, uh, a medication, an over-the-counter drug that was available that somebody had tampered with and laced with cyanide or strychnine or whatever? And we'd say, well, we'd like to tell you which one it is, but we don't want to be mean. Uh, we're not going to tell you the name. How would I help you if there's an over-the-counter medication that, that could cost you your life or, let's say, some type of paralysis or lifelong deformity? And we say, we don't want to be mean and tell you the name. So, look. God will judge our motives. People, but there are people who think these guys mention ministry names. They tell you things that they think are wrong. They will literally name names, and some people are offended by that. Now, if we're doing this out of jealousy, even that wouldn't mean we shouldn't do what we do. It just mean our motives are wrong. Right. But if we were doing it for bad motives and thinking we're better, which we don't, um, then there would be a problem maybe in the way we do it. But this is a divine command. My mentor used to say. Controversy for the sake of controversy is a sin. Correct. Controversy for the sake of truth is a divine command. But we live in a day and age, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, mm-hmm. even in the churches, just be nice to be. It's maudlin. Maudlin is a word that means overly emotional, sentimentalized love. So what if I let my kids, you know, as they're growing up, I'll just eat candy. Well, I, I want to love them. and I don't want to offend them and make them eat vegetables that are good for them and that. I'm going to let them just eat junk all the time because that's what they want. Uh, that's not loving. And so part of the ministry, Paul says, even in Philippians, it's, it's a Granville Sharp construction in Greek. What it means is both go together. It's, he says, whether well, I'm preaching or defending the faith. It's both. You're not doing the full ministry if you're just preaching and telling people to be happy attitudes and what they want to hear. You've got to warn them. You've got to, to sternly admonish them at times. Speaking the truth in love, so the, the ministry is multifaceted, and the church has got to get over this worldly, false, unbiblical concept of just being, and quote-unquote, nice. We think we are being nice by speaking the truth in love. Yeah. But, you know, it'd be like telling somebody, you're, you've got a nail in your tire, and it's going to go flat or have a blowout. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to go to Disneyland. You're ruining my day. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me there's a nail in my tire. Don't tell me that if I drive on this and my tread's coming off, I could have a blowout. You've ruined my day. 
That's nonsense. Right. You know, uh, Craig, what you're just saying, I mean, I think you know when we've had many talks over the years how I feel about that. The world does it much better than us. Here you got the guy, John Walsh, that have America Most Wanted, but yet we have Christian, Christianity going on, and we don't even, uh, how you say, judge ourselves. We let the world get in there and judge us when we have all uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6 on how to, when I yeah. say judge, deal with our issues from the mechanism we have in place. And where's our website that says about reconciling Christians to each other well, for sure. the various things they have? Like, you know I'm working on that. You know I'm working yeah. on that. And the analogy I've used over the years, I'll use it again. It's like going to your doctor, your MD or DO or what have you, and 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 they have some bad news for you. And could you imagine if the doctor doesn't tell you that you have a you know fatal heart condition uh, or or otherwise a form of cancer or some other terminal illness, but you're so happy and having a great day and you think life is wonderful that they don't want to tell you that person would be held legally, morally, professionally culpable. You know you've got to tell people the truth. You don't have to be mean in it. You don't have to be you know harsh, but you've got to tell them. Look, you've got this disease and you need to be treated. Stat and. It would be unloving not to tell people the truth. But again, even in the church, not just the world, but the, but the church does not want to hear this. Tell me what I want to hear. Exactly. 100%, and unfortunately, that's what it is. And you know what? If I'm going to tell you something, give you what you need, not what you want. One triple eight LA talks is the number you can call in. That's what you need to call in and join the broadcast. We have about twenty minutes left in the broadcast, a little bit less. One triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Brian Allen, Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH, Daryl Easy D. Fulton, and Daryl is ready to receive your phone call. The other Daryl with the Y. Anyway, let's go to the, uh, the phone calls and talk to Wayne in the city of Pasadena. Wayne, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Hi, Wayne. You on the air? Oh, okay. Uh, first, I want to say uh, I'm thankful for how gracious God was to let uh, the professor come back. Absolutely. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, now, what else I want to talk about was Black Lives Matter. A movement like that, should the church be involved in something like that? Should they have a, a stand about that? Should that be addressed? I'll say, let me speak on this before the white guy speaks. Let me speak on this real quick before, the, well, you know, I, I got sort of like a Scottish and Irish background too, so you know, I ain't gonna t- I'm not going to dishonor any of my heritage. But the bottom line is, I think that uh, in general, each and every movement, whatever the movement may be, whether it's abortion movement, whether it's, you know, pro-life or whatever it is that you want to consider going in, you should do it like you do anything else. Consider it what is closer to what the biblical standard is about the issues that you're debating, the issues that you're getting involved with the movement. In the case of Black Lives Matter, I would say, personally, from the, what I know about it, no. Now, that's Daryl, the black boy. That's the black boy here. Brian or Craig, would you like to speak on this? I'm gonna let Brian go now. <laughs> what you waiting? Would you want a crescendo, white man? <laughs> no, I will. No, no, no. I'll, I'll jump in now. But <laughs> I, racism exists, and, and it is unacceptable. It exists in the church, and it exists in our culture, and uh, we don't want to turn a blind eye to it. So it's got to be addressed, and it needs to be, I believe, addressed on some sort of a regular basis, and really just explicitly mentioned in the church and dealt with. It's unacceptable. Um, and uh, I would argue the Bible says we're really all one race anyway. But I mean, but as we understand race today, and now it's defined, we, there are people who are racist and, and police departments. There's some great police officers, and there's some really bad ones. Um, it's got to be addressed. I just don't believe Black Lives Matter does it appropriately. When you, there's what's called identi- identity. Po- 
identity politics, Wayne, and we can go to the other extreme and just, just when you start cussing people out and shouting them down and, and using derogatory comments on them because you're not the same um, race or color, I don't see that solving the problem. I see that it as exacerbating it. Now, that's my perspective. Wayne, do you want to say something, and I want to let Brian speak as well. Go ahead, Wayne. Okay, yes. That's a great answer. I know some of who's behind it, but I know as I experience in my life, I've had injustice done by the police, and I just don't like yeah. that part of it. But but the, the the part of it being, we're all equal when we're coming for Christ, so it doesn't yeah. make a difference on race, period. But I was just wondering about that way, the way to deal with it, because I've had some issues lately that I don't feel too good about because of the way I reacted, but it's due to my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and the police brutality, not the guy that's behind it, because there's a guy behind it, I forgot his name, that's doing all this and he does other stuff. He's got a lot of money, but his, I'm not talking about that, but I was talking about his experience. But you answered it correctly. But um, before you go, Wayne, Brian, want to comment? Go ahead. Brian. You know, it, it's you know, it's funny because you hear you hear the remark too that you know people don't understand because you're not you're not black. Oh Lord, have mercy! That's, you know, that's ignorance to no. me. That's yeah, and 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 it's that. like, uh, you know, there, there's no there's no there's no uh, cause for any type of racism. It's out there, right. and it's out, and you know, and and the and the sad thing is too is that you know when you when you hear these instances about the the bad police officers, in reality, that's just a small, small percentage, you know, because the majority of the police officers, I believe they do stand up and they do uh, protect and serve and everything like that. But those small, those uh, small a few where you hear all this stuff on, on, on the uh, networks from, it's it's just a very very small percentage. See, and I'll say this, Wayne, right. before we let you go, I'm I'm a numbers person. As soon as people bring in the arguments about the numbers, disproportionate using words like that, I, there's a context of what you're using it. And so, if I understand your context of what you're saying, disproportionate number of, uh, of blacks are being um, um, abused by the police and those type of things, then I'm I'm just wondering, is the number uh, connected to the other side because all the time I talk to people especially black people and ask them can they tell me any white people that were abused uh, by the police in the same manner that you say that blacks were abused by the police in, this, in the same context and tell me any one name they, 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 they struggle with it but yet the majority of whites are abused not necessarily by the proportion but by when you accurately disseminate the numbers and the whole system, you will see that the numbers are not disproportionate. But that's another oh, argument okay. for another day. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And, and I will I will offer, matter of fact, Brian, I will send a proof of that. Uh, a young lady had talked to one of the radio broadcasts I heard and started giving the numbers of the disproportionate amount of people in the various sporting groups, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, whatever, that got associated or an involvement with a police officer and the disproportionate numbers obviously going to show that more blacks are going to be dealing with the police in the say, NFL because there's more blacks in the NFL. So when you start talking about the numbers, the numbers are in a context. And I, as long as I understand the context, but everything I heard when they start talking disproportionate, I already know that's going to fall by the wayside by the way they're using it. So I'm interested in anybody giving me the numbers in this total context. That's all I'm asking. Okay. And not because I'm a former okay. cop. Wayne, so you know, not because I'm a former cop and retired and getting that check. No, no, I, yeah. I, I know you're a long time, yeah. so I know yeah. 
You don't remember who I am, but I know who you are. Oh, trust me. I, 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 you'd be surprised. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, <laughs> Wayne, that you do have to know me this long. That's you have to know Daryl. Craig and Brian just thought it was them. <laughs> hey, brother. Oh. Love you, man. Thanks for the call. All right. God bless, man. Appreciate Take you. Take care, Wayne. Yeah, one triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. A couple of uh, black guys with some uh, heritage and a, and a white guy. Professor Craig Hawkins and Brian and Daryl Fulton. Uh, matter of fact, you got another Daryl ready to receive your phone call. One triple eight LA talks. Is that Daryl with a Y? Who? Daryl with a Y. Well, yeah, they kind of spell it improperly. One triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Let's take the uh, last couple of calls of the night. Hopefully, uh, when I say hopefully that we can get to them, uh, our friend Dan from South Bay. Dan, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hi. Hi. Hi, Dan. Hi, Daryl. Hi, Daryl. I thought I thought yours was with a Y too. I've been misspelling it all these years. And, and I and I let you slide because I'm a loving person. That's, well, you never <laughs> said anything about it. Now I know. He, he he doesn't read your emails. That's why. That's cool. Go ahead, brother. Hi, Brian. How you doing, Dan? Say hi to the Professor I'm okay. Dan. I'm okay. I didn't want to leave you out. And hi, Craig. Welcome hey, back Dan. home. Thank you. Uh, and quit your, you know, usually I go after Brian and Daryl, but for the first time, Craig, quit your sniveling. Quit your sniveling. <laughs> About what? About what? He didn't have a shot. He didn't have a shower. He had a tub. You know, I think I was a cup. Like 22 a cup. years old before I ever got a shower. No, 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 no. Dan, Dan, yeah, Dan, a cup. Dan. A cup, not a tub, a cup. As long as it was more than eight week. ounces. And that was after a week of no shower. I could stand my clothes up in the corner, and they would stay there. <laughs> oh, oh, Dan, Dan, I don't know if you know this, but Craig lost his luggage. Yeah, he had a problem with luggage. He got a problem with luggage. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, my. I, re- I really am. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a You know what I noticed is, is for the first time, you landed there sick. Usually you come home sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Tell the news, Dan. <laughs> That's what, like, four days without sleep will do to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I'm sniveling. <laughs> I'm so glad you're back, and I'm so glad you were blessed. And ultimately, when you when you preach to those children oh, at that orphanage, that's really what it's all about. All right, now, Dan, uh, thanks for that comment. Let's get to your question. Cause we want to well, yeah, and, and again, Dan, because your prayer support, now you were there yes, with me. So yes. the fruit of that ministry it goes to you and others who prayed uh, for my time over there. One hundred percent. But I need the wire on. I was and, glad and, I was able to participate a little bit in that. Now I'll get to the question for the sake of time. Thank you, brother. I'm going to take you guys to task, though. You mentioned your mentor. Oh, my goodness. Always have. Uh, you mentioned your mentor, Walter Martin. Right. And and you and you are my mentor, and I believe that Brian, that uh, Walter Martin was also Brian's mentor. And and Brian has done an article on, on the New Covenant, uh, and we don't have to tie that that's under the law. I was surprised. I've been listening to Brian said to listen to all these things on YouTube from Walter Martin, and I've been doing that. And a few days ago, I saw something on tithing. I thought for sure he was going to say what Brian says. Nobody agree with Brian. <laughs> uh, and so he quoted Abraham. I mean, uh, he quoted Jesus. Um, Jesus. I'm sorry. I have to. I, I don't have it in my note. Let's see. He Hebrew, Jesus. Hebrew oh, seven. Hebrews seven, where it talks about. Uh, uh, Melchizedek and Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. Right. And, and that Jesus is a greater priest uh, on the order of Melchizedek. Right. And then he and then he quoted Galatians three twenty nine. And I had it. I had it here. Okay, Dan. But get to your point quicker, brother. 
Go ahead. I'm trying. Yeah. I, I have to read this. I have to read this verse, though. If you guys can get to Galatians three twenty nine faster than I can, because my my Bible flipped on me. Um. Anyway, it has. He, his point was that uh, that if we claim the promises uh, in a, of Abraham, if you right. belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and the heir is according to the promise. Is this? Yes, and we're in his loins, and if we and if we're the sons of Abraham, then then Abraham tied the Melchizedek, then we need to tithe. But, but, uh, if we came claim the promises of Abraham, then we need to pay the tithe as Abraham did. And it's a compulsion not of of law, we're, because they were compelled under the law. But this is a, he called it a compulsion of grace, and uh, his uh, he said it's a debt of grace. And that Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Anyway, let, let me respond to that, okay? Because uh-huh. the question is, you know, the question is always asked: Is it true that Abraham, you know, gave a tithe to Melchizedek, and that that's in the paper row too, uh, which was before the law? Uh, the answer is yes, he did. But um, does that does that constitute mandatory tithing for today? One, Abraham's tithe was a free will act without any request on God's part that he should do it. Two, his tithe was not brought to any storehouse or sanctuary. Three, Abraham was 80 years old before he tithed, and it's not recorded that he ever did it again. And then Abraham was never given any promise of a blessing for his tithe. So, um, so yes, that's my response to Abraham giving a tithe to Melchizedek. And Again, I'm also going to say what professor taught me a long time ago in class is that you interpret the uh, Old Testament in light of the New, not the New Testament in light of the Old. And he talked about that in his sermon. Yeah, and I would just say, Dan, this, yeah, I'm well aware of that. Um, you know, uh, I love Martin, appreciate him, but I had my areas of disagreement. He also used to say, if two people think exactly alike, one of them is not thinking. Now, and now we not necessary. Argue, <laughs> we're the ones in the wrong here, but with all due respect to Martin, I have, I, I, again, I was greatly influenced by him, but I don't, everything that he held to, uh, the essentials, of course, but uh, there's a number of areas I would disagree on uh, if we had other time. And so, at any rate, yeah, so, you know, Exactly, that someone's your mentor doesn't mean you uh, you subscribe to every single thing they taught. If I can use a second example, Aristotle was discipled by Plato, but Aristotle's views are radically different than Plato's in many ways. Yet he was still greatly influenced by him and attributed a lot of his knowledge and whatnot to Plato. And that's a secular example. But and by the way, of course, those in the lineage of Martin, I would argue, they are also that would include Donald Green, Barnhouse. Uh, Oliver James Buswell, Frank Abeline, look those names up. Those were some incredible great men of God of the 19th, 20th century. Um, yeah, so anyways, Dan, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Martin someday and uh, again and reminiscing about old times and, uh, and, of course, new times now and what happened after. I think about it because he died when he was 60, and I'm just about to hit 60 this year. Mercy. Uh, I'm going to hit 60 this year, I should say. Thank you. I Thank remember you. that he died when he was 60 years old. So, right. yeah, I was actually thinking about him recently. Right. Hey, Dan, only because we want to get this other call before we run out of the show, man. That's an excellent question, and we can deal with it more another time. But thank you, Dan. Good Appreciate to see you, brother. You. All right. Now. Take care, Dan. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye, brother. Hey, real quickly, guys, let's go to Scott in the city of, let's go to Scott in the city of Redlands. We have about four minutes left. Uh, Scott in the city of Redlands, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hello, yes. Scott. Yes, Scott, how you doing, sir? Hello, guys. Um, 
enjoy your show. I've only heard it a couple times, but it's excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, my question is this. Um, the bottom line question is, do people that never hear the gospel, are they going to hell? And it's in the context I, I'm sharing right now with two people in my work. They're born and raised, and one in Pakistan as a Muslim, one in Cambodia as a Buddhist. And then I'm having ministry with three college students through a ministry or church that are from India who were raised in, and are practicing Hindus. Yes. And Excellent. the Buddhist is still practicing. The Muslim has adopted the idea of always the God idea. But them personally and their family and relatives, more... They've been exposed to the gospel, but the three ladies are just getting exposed to the gospel. But they have family and friends back in Cambodia and Pakistan right. who have not heard the gospel. And Scott, is, Scott only for the sake of time, going to hell or not? Scott, only for the sake of time. Yeah, we got right. the question. Excellent That's question. It. Hang in there. Hang in there. Craig, right. you, Brian, you got something first? And then well, I'm going to go to Romans. I'm going to go to Romans, uh, Romans chapter one. Uh, where it says, because that, uh, in verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of, of the world, his invisible attributes, his internal power, eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. And so basically, uh, God saying, people are going to know there is a God just, just basically from oh creation. Craig? Yes, Scott, it's a great question. I can't do it justice. I'm just going to say just a few things. I, I'm really hoping you can call back next yes, week please, and we can do, give it more time. Sure. But this is an issue of what's called special versus general revelation. I think of two books, Ronald Nash, uh, No Other Savior, and then I think of uh, a, a book of uh, by J.N.D. Anderson, Christianity and Comparative Religions, Chapter 5, No Other Name, question mark. And so there's uh, two major views among conservative scholars. And I'd like to talk about those and why I hold what I do. Mine would be related to Brian's answer. But if you could go back next week, I could spend some time on this and talk about this. And ironically, I spent a fair amount of time in India and in Cambodia, by the way. And uh, at any rate, this whole idea is something very important to me. I'm not saying I have all the, it all down straight, but I've spent a lot of time studying and thinking about it. And I'd love to talk more, but I can't do it justice in a little time. It's kind of, we don't want to dishonor that because your call is too important if you're able and thank you very much for dealing with the people that you dealt okay. with from all over the nation. But give us a call back next week. We'll give you a high priority, sir. You start at 11? 10. 10 o'clock. 10 to 12 midnight. Thank you right up front. Okay, thank thank you, you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, Scott. Gentlemen, we have 50 seconds. Brian. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an answer for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Craig, you should have heard Brian last week, but you would have loved it. But anyway, mm. he was ready this week. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, it's just great to be back home, and I want to thank all those who prayerfully and or financially supported the, the ministry uh, in India, Myanmar, and the training. Um, I believe that there is fruit at to your eternal account from that trip because you were there with me in spirit by your prayers and your finances and the fruit that we'll see from this that will last for eternity goes to your account because of your faithfulness to God. Thank you. Really appreciate that, Professor and Brian. And on behalf of the Bible Information Brokers, my name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton. Yes, I am Mama Grace and Big Daddy's Baby Boy. And on behalf of Mama Rose's young child, Craig, PCH, Daryl, our screener, 
and of course, Andy, our engineer, we want to thank you. But folks, I want to ask you that you do this. Consider yourself if you are indeed in the faith, if you're claiming Christ. Do a real intense search on your own self. Deal with yourself like that. Please share the gospel, but you can share it by reading your word. Know that it's the gospel of reconciliation. God to the world. He died for us. And on behalf of everyone I just mentioned, if the Lord willing, we'll be back next week with more of the Bible Information Brokers presented by Living by the Word Ministries. Please read your word, read it daily, and fellowship with the Lord that saved our soul. God bless.